In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask your graces upon us in your Holy Spirit to calm our hearts, to find life's fulfillment, life's joy in your graces. Amen. As I was praying with the readings throughout the week, for whatever reason, my prayer kept going toward one specific word that kind of defined kind of a theme of, honestly, all three of the readings. The theme I kept praying about was frustration. When you read all the readings, it just seems like everybody in, the, in, the, in Joshua and in St. Paul, even Jesus himself, everybody just seems kind of frustrated with, with their existence or with their certain situation and circumstances. For example, from Joshua, the people of God, the Jews, are trying to take over Jericho. They're trying to invade the city of Jericho. And they're frustrated because they can't, because the walls are too big. They can't seem to get and penetrate the walls to get into what they want to conquer, and they're frustrated. St. Paul in Romans 7, one of my favorite readings, he's frustrated with his own sin. He's entering into his own mind of sin, that he, doesn't want, he wants to avoid sin, and he's frustrated because he, he can't avoid sin, and he wants to do the good, but he does the evil he doesn't want to do. He doesn't do the good that he wants to do. He sounds, even in his writing, it's almost a tongue twister, just sounds frustrated. In the Gospel, and this is my own interpretation, kind of imposing my own emotions onto Jesus, it seems as if Christ himself is frustrated. Or he would be, or seemingly should be. Because he goes and he tells his apostles all what's going to happen. I'm going to be handed over, I'm going to be mocked, I'm going to be scourged, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die and resurrect. All of the curriculum, all of salvation history into one sentence. This is what's going to happen to the Son of Man. And then their, their immediate reaction is, I want to be more important than that person. I want to sit at your right and at your left. And then the other ten who are behind him, he would think maybe, okay, he's frustrated with these two the other ten will be fine. Nope, they're upset. They're indignant. So the twelve apostles whom he can't pick to lead the church and to found the church aren't perfect. That can seem frustrating. How, how, imagine Christ. I'm going to ascend to my Father. These are the men who are going to build the church. You can seem seemingly, seemingly frustrated. But the temptation of all of our lives, for all of us, is to enter into a frustration, enter into the frustration of, of life. And all week I kept asking people, because I was thinking, I'm praying with the homily. I said, what are you frustrated with in your life? And there wasn't a single person that was like, everything is pinwheels and popsicles. I don't have any frustration. Everybody was immediately like this. And everybody, everybody had an answer. Everybody had an answer that was unique to their own life situation. My mother-in-law, my, my sick elderly parents, school, the weather, whatever it was that they were frustrated with, it was very clearly at the front of their minds, very clearly, quickly, something that they think about often, right? And think about your own lives. I was driving this week, and I was personally frustrated with the gas prices. I was like, this is uh, ridiculous, right? And I think everyone can relate to that, but it's a reality of life, and we have to deal with it, we have to, to function through it. So most of you either have children who are in school, or you are in school, you have nieces and nephews. School can be frustrating, it can be. Whether you have a crazy professor, whether you don't, you're trying to learn, whether you're a little one, you're trying to learn the alphabet, whether you're in school trying to get your doctorate degree, whatever it is, across the board, school by its very nature can be very kind of frustrating. Finance can be frustrating. Running a business can be frustrating. You're trying to make an order and the order doesn't come in. You're trying to get your employees to come in and they're calling off and you can't get things to get done right and it can, the whole world can kind of just seem embracingly frustrating. Your relationships. You want to build a healthy marriage. 
Maybe you're single and trying to find a spouse. Maybe you're divorced and that wound can be hurtful. Maybe you're widowed and that wound can be hurtful. Maybe you're trying to build friendships. Maybe you're discerning the religious life. Does God want me to become a priest? Does God want me to become a sister? And that, fr- that can be frustrating. You don't know where to go in life. And you're just trying to find a path and you're praying and you're surrendering to God. You're trying to, but it's just, it's frustrating. Think of those who deal with infertility and how challenging and how frustrating of a burden that can be onto your life. You're just trying to persevere through it. You're trying to get through it. And you're like, I want to follow the church's teachings. I want to stay true to God in the church. But it's frustrating. Even to the point where like, intimacy with your spouse is frustrating because it's just a chore just to try to conceive a child. Maybe God is calling you to foster a child. Maybe God is opening your heart to receive love and to give love in a different way for those who need a loving home. Something to pray about. So we have the three examples, right? You have from Joshua, and you have St. Paul, and you have Jesus. So in Joshua, the book of the, the, in Jericho, they're frustrated because they have something that almost belongs to them, but it's too difficult to get to, and it's frustrating. And then the, God's response is, walk around the city for six days, and then yell at the wall. Seemingly crazy. But that's the response from God. That's what God's calling us to. And besides the kind of the tangible things of life, we're in the midst of Lent here, a time of repentance, a time of self-reflection and of growth. Think of how frustrating your own sin can be. And this is why the beauty of, 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 of really not guilt, not just living guilt, but to reflect upon our sins, whether you struggle with anger or pride or lustful actions or laziness or greed or envy or worship of money, or you just can't seem to stop gossiping, would we go at night and reflect upon our day, which we all should do, It can seem frustrating. Why can't I get over this sin? Why can't I forgive this person? Why can't I live a simpler life? Why can't I relieve myself of these these, these physical, pleasurable sins that are keeping me down, keeping me away from God, hurting my relationships with people around me? It can seem excruciatingly frustrating. And even more so for me as I was praying with the frustration of Jesus. Because Christ is frustrated with these 12. And think about it. Think of how annoyed he must have been. Like, I'm going to pick these 12. Two of them think they're better than everybody else. And they're a part of the inner circle. James and John, sons of Zebedee. And the other 10, and they're like, well, how come they get to be more important than me? Imagine how frustrated people in the world can be, people in the church can be, with church leadership. And it's interesting, because I'm part of church leadership. Maybe you don't like me. That's okay. Be frustrated with me. That's just part of life. And it can, be, it can seem like, where are we going in the church? Who is really leading this church? How is the holiness of the church of Christ really going to develop and persevere and grow? How, these are the men. These are the church. These are the priests who are supposed to be leading us. These guys. If you only knew the inner sins of my heart, you'd be even more scandalized. And it's a reality. Church leadership is always challenging. Since the beginning. Since Christ himself. Now, If we allow ourselves to live and just stop in that frustration, then it's emptiness. Then it can seem fleeting and just nothing. What does God do? For the things in our lives, the tangible things in our lives that we're trying to attain, whether fertility, whether it's school, whether it's relationships, whether it's discerning a religious life. So God calls us to endure. God calls us to persevere. God calls us to be patient. God calls us to trust in his plan for us. So what do they do in Joshua and Jericho? They walk around the city six days in a row. And the seventh day, they literally yell at the wall. 
That's the response from God. Just yeah, just, ah! That's the response. And what happens? The walls crumble. They breach the walls and they take over Jericho and they win. They win that battle. And sometimes we got to just scream. We're frustrated with life. But more than anything, trust God. It's hard. I know it's hard. But that's what God calls us to do, to persevere and to trust. And St. Paul, in his own struggles with sin, in his own struggles with sin, he could just read the words, go home and read Romans 7. He just seems frustrated with himself. And the only response is this at the end of Romans 7. Romans 7. He says, Wretched man though I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's it. That's all he says. He trusts in God's mercy. He trusts in God's graces and love for us. That when we go to confession, and we have confession available at this parish every Thursday, every Saturday, every Sunday, we have confession available. And we can go to God and say, I'm frustrated with my sins. And God says, be at peace. I forgive you. There isn't this like, well, I'm going to keep a list and keep a track for you. God wants to forgive us. God wants to set us free. God has the graces sufficient for us to be set free from sin. And the means to do it in the beautiful gift of confession. And as far as the leadership of the church and the frustration that can come from watching church leadership not be perfect, for me, it's an act of faith that for 2,000 years, the church has been led by priests and bishops who are all sinners and have their own faults. And if you look at it from a secular perspective, the 12 apostles, these men who can't get along with each other, who don't get the mission of the church, who all they care about is themselves, the church should have crumbled centuries ago. Yet here we are. And here I am. How am I part of church leadership? I'm an idiot. But despite my faults, the Holy Spirit is in charge of the church. If it was on me, the church would crumble. If it was on Father Rodney, we'd be in shambles. It'd be a disaster. It's not. It's not. And the weakness of the church leadership is evidence of the power of God because the church is strong and will remain strong and the, the powers of hell will never prevail against the church. So in your frustration, you all know your lives. You all know your personal lives. Whatever you might be going through today, this week, this year, this decade, whatever the frustration is, bring it to God. Don't live in it. Don't dwell in it. That's not your existence. God wants to bring you peace. God wants to conquer your life. God wants to forgive you of your sins. God wants to help you to trust, to trust in his will and his love in your life. Amen.